that's crazy. Should have had me at the end going, that's crazy. Well, I think that sermon bump, that's what we call those, uh, I think that sermon bump uh, shows pretty clearly that our world is gone crazy, right? It's, a, it's kind of a whacked out world. Men are useless and maybe even should be killed, I think the one lady said. Women don't know who they are or what they're supposed to be. Marriage is, uh, what did she say, it was some sort of oppression, right? Uh, family can be whatever you want family to be, and our world is a mess. Uh, interesting <clears throat> that with all the freedom that we have, things seem to continue to get worse and worse. It seems like our society is, is crumbling in front of our face. More and more people are taking anti-depression and anti-anxiety medicines. They're taking it more and more at younger and younger ages. They're, they're not able to handle all that they're seeing, all that they're experiencing in their lives. And yet, sadly, the suicide rate is up across the board, especially for those that are in alternate lifestyles. The longer they're on these meds, for some of them, the worse things get. And we see further and more evidence of violence and, and death in some cases. The, the, free, the freer we become, it seems the more discontented and messed up we become. It's, it's almost like we're in a, a car speeding down the road and ready to go off a cliff and we want to get out of the car. This series that we're looking at today is the good news that we can get out of the car. We can make sure that we don't go over the cliff with the rest of society. But for us to do that, we, we need to make two clear decisions. So we have before us. So what I want to do today is I want to kind of set the table here. I want to give us a foundation. We're going to talk about men and women and marriage and family and society, that kind of stuff in the coming weeks. But if we don't get these two things nailed down, then we're not going to be able to adequately deal with these other issues. And so the first one is this. You need to decide how you got here. All right? Did, did we get here through evolutionary process? Or did we get here through creation, a, a God, the God of the Bible who has created us? Now you may be thinking, okay, what does this have to do with anything that we're talking about? Why are we going back to science class and dealing with it? Well, first of all, go back, please. The, if you see yourself as coming from evolution, um, it'll decide who you answer to. So if you say evolution, you're going to answer to yourself. If you say creation, you should be saying you're going to answer to God. Now we know those who have placed your faith in Christ, those who call themselves Christians, at times we struggle with that, but that's kind of the basic idea. It also decides how you face the craziness. You'll either face what's going on in our society, the way you think you should, or the way the world would tell you to do it, or you're going to do it the way God says to do it. There's, there's no other option but those two. And this will decide the impact that this craziness has on you. You're either going to continue experiencing cra uh, the craziness, the pain that comes with it, the destruction that it brings to lives and relationships, or you're going to experience the peace and the purpose that God wants to give you 
as the one who created you. And that, that's God's desire that you sit here this morning. You're like, yeah, no, I want the peace. I want the, the purpose from God. And that's our hope for you as well. That's why we meet here week in and week out and do what we do. That we have a God who is infinitely powerful, who is infinitely wise, creative, personal, loving. And he wants us to be in relationship with him. Now, if you're here this morning and you say, yes, I want that, then you have another decision to make. And that's this, that does God really mean what he says? <clears throat> when God talks about men and who men are, or what men are supposed to be, does he really mean that? When he talks about who women are and why he created women, and does he really mean that? What he says about marriage, what he says about family, what he says about society, does he really mean what he has to say about it? Because here's the deal. <clears throat> if you go with what God says, you will look crazy to the world. Because it's completely opposite of what God, uh, what God has for us is completely opposite than from what the world would have for us. And so all the craziness we see in this world comes down to these two questions, these two issues. Evolution then you're in control. Do what you want. If you're a man, be a woman. If you're a woman, be a man. Uh, if you want to have uh, multiple uh, spouses, if you want whatever, whatever it is that you think you should do and however you think you should do it, do it because you're in charge. Just understand that if you choose that, you're going to continue to get more of what you got. And in the end, you're going to continue to be in the craziness. Now, some people, they'll do this. <clears throat> they'll be like, well, I, I want a little bit of what God wants, a little bit of what I want. And so they ride the fence. Remember that? Back when you were a kid, back in my neighborhood growing up outside Chicago, all of our neighborhood had these chain link fences that were like about this tall. And so, of course, I was a little shorter than I am today. Not much shorter, but didn't grow much. And you know, you'd be like real cool because you're, you know, I'm a man, right? And so then I'd hit the fence and go over. And of course, I wasn't real athletic and I would hit halfway. So if we play the game, if you ride the fence, you're going to experience emotional and spiritual mess. You're going to continue in the craziness. But if you take um, and understand that God has created us and you commit to His way, he promises to meet all your needs. He's promised through Scripture that you can have forgiveness of your sins. You can have a restored relationship with God. You can have freedom. You can have purpose. You can have peace. You can have contentment. You can have eternal life. Listen, the reason why our world is in the situation that it's in is because people are craving these things. People are desiring these things, and they're not able to find it. But they don't know that there's another way. They don't understand that there is a God, or they just want to reject a God who loves them and cares for them. And so they think, well, maybe if I do more of it, I'll be happy. But more isn't going to do it, because at its base, at its core, it's self-focused. So you're going to have to call me crazy, because and anybody else who believes that for, for centuries, since the beginning of time, the Bible has guided societies. And societies who put in the principles of God's Word, those are ones that are typically more peaceful, more constructive, less crazy. 
Now, I know that people have misused the Bible and, and people have used the Bible to crush other people and there's some people who try to use the Bible for, for racism and slavery and none of that is, is from what Scripture would teach. But if we think that way, if you're here this morning and you're thinking that way, it would be like thinking that um, all union workers are slackers. Well, we know that union workers aren't. I used to be a union carpenter. We know that not all union workers are slackers sitting under shovels. Some are, but not all. Most aren't. Or we would think that, well, teachers and pastors, well, they're, they're just molesters. They molest children. Sadly, some have. But most don't. We get that, right? You can't sully their reputation for some of what other people have done. But not all politicians are... Lo- Skip that one. We'll, we'll move forward. <laughs> Uh, let's, let's forget about the politicians. I'm sorry. No. There are some good politicians out there somewhere, I'm sure. Some other country. Um, anyways, the point is, we don't, we don't lump what some individuals and some group do. We don't make and say everybody's that way. Well, it's the same thing with the Bible. Yeah, some people have misused it, but we're not going to be that naive and that simple-minded. We, we, I want you guys to really kind of hone in here and think about these things as we move forward this morning. I'll try to move this along because I could, I could talk all day long on this, and some of you guys are busy today, so I won't do that. So we want to look at these two things. So first one, evolution and creation. I want to give you a summary and why it is the way it is today in our society, and I want to give you a summary of creation and what it is that God offers. So the first thing, evolution. Um, so we're going back to science class. Some of you guys are like, oh, this is terrible. Every time I think about science, I think of uh, Mr. McGonagall, and he was about 400 pounds, and a uh, wonderful guy, but man, he came over to counter a couple times at me because I was goofing around, and it's kind of scary. But <clears throat> So evolution, it's life from a chance chemical reaction. All right, it's... It's not scientific fact. I know people want to say it's scientific fact, but it's not scientific fact. And I always, I'm terrible at science. So here's a definition of something that's fact. For something to be science, it's a proven fact that has to be observable, measurable, and repeatable. All right? So first of all, it was not observable. Nobody was there when it happened. If in case, this is how it happened, there was some... Peace, some gases, eternally existing gases that were peacefully hanging out together, mingling, just kind of chilling, whatever gases do for eternity, I don't know. And then something caused them to react. And from that reaction, there was the elements of life. And then those li- that life evolved and evolved and evolved. But nobody was back there, however many millions of years ago they say this happened. It's also not repeatable. Because no one has ever gone into a lab, got a bunch of gases together, and somehow or another got those things, they don't know what happened back then, so they don't really know what to do here, and never created life. So it's a theory, it's faith. People who believe this, are believing based on faith. Now, at its core, it's survival of the fit. It means that um, organisms, species, uh, that can adapt, that can change, uh, that are the stronger ones, 
They are the ones who overcome whatever changes are happening in the environment. And they either kill off the weaker ones or the weaker ones just kill off on their own. This happens, by the way, this thinking, this theory, happens in our social and political views. Whatever social or political view has the most power, whatever one is more popular, that's the view that is put upon everybody else. And the weaker uh, philosophies, the weaker views, those are put to the side, they're pressed down, they're killed. See, this is a, a me-first mentality. A person who believes that they are in charge of the life, again, you may not believe in evolution, but you may live as if you do if you think that you're in charge of your life. And so a person who thinks that, they'll go like, well, um, yeah, I'm going to enter into this relationship or I'm going to get into this job situation or I'm going to do what, whatever I'm doing, I'm doing it as long as it benefits me. But as soon as it doesn't benefit me, I'm getting rid of it. I don't want it in my life. And so we get involved in relationships, we get married. Um, the abortion issue plays into this. If, if um, a baby is found that they have a birth defect and that's going to cause stress on the parents, they, they abort the baby. Why? Because this more powerful philosophy in species has control over that. Or maybe someone just says, well, you know, actually if I have a baby, I'm not going to be able to have the, the lifestyle that I want. And so they abort a child. See, this, this evolutionary process, if, if evolution is true, it's not. But if it were, we would never be asking, why is there evil in this world? That's a question people ask all the time. Why is there evil in this world? My response back to them was, why is there good in this world? If you believe that evolution is true, that everything is about you and you get what you want no matter who you put down to get it. And so it's a me first. It's a death-oriented philosophy where the strong survive. And if it's true, then all the craziness, all the upheaval, all the chaos is not only normal, it's acceptable, and it's encouraged. Just watch the news. Just look at a lot of the political people, the people in Hollywood. It's encouraged. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. Keep doing it. In fact, we'll actually, we won't even tell your parents. If you want to do this, we'll help you. And so men can be women, actually encouraged to be women. Women are encouraged to be men. People are encouraged to have multiple genders and spouses and sex partners, including animals. Now you may be saying, well, pastor, are you trying to just be a little shocking us? Yes, but just last night, before I got up to preach, I was just going through, I, 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 I don't know why I do this, but I go through news articles. If you go to Peter Singer, he's a Princeton Princeton uh, University ethicist. He's got up on his Twitter X page promoting a guy who is writing on why we need to rethink our romantic relationships that we have with our pets. He says, yeah, I know it's taboo to talk about, but I think it's time that we had that conversation. 
There's nothing wrong with that, people. If we're in charge, there's nothing wrong with that. You can have racism. Racism's fine. In fact, evolution is what brought racism to the forefront. Russia invading Ukraine, Hamas terrorizing Israel, Israel wiping out Hamas, Muslim-led nations persecuting, killing Christians and LGBTQ community. Even, if the, even though the LGBTQ community, community, I can't even say it. Man, it's a lot of letters. I've got a speech issue. I can't be saying all those letters. Even though that community is supporting Hamas. They're in all the, all the protests. Well, if Hamas was in control, they wouldn't be around. If they were around, they'd be hiding China, imprisoning, killing those of all religions, uh, African nations, doing the same. It's normal, and it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse until an individual or a group of people gather together and, and finally get the power over everybody else. Right? Because evolution is all about vying for power. And so... As soon as they can get power over everybody else, then they will bring peace. They will force peace. You'll be like, why are, why are you saying that? How, how is that going to be? Listen, it happens on, in, in states. Russia, they have put down every other philosophy, other political, they kill off people. China does the same thing. We've had the Nazis. African and uh, South American countries have dictators. The United Nations is right now looking to try to do that for over, over the entire world. So your hope for surviving peacefully, if you want to call it that, is to find the strongest person or strongest organization, organization and join them so that you can be part of that that puts down everybody else. And when you'll die, you'll find out if evolution was true or if God is real. Now we can see from society this isn't working. I mean, just open up our eyes. It's not working. So let's see why we should choose to believe God and why God created us. So we have creation. Creation, uh, life from a self-existing, personal, loving, infinitely powerful, you can do all kinds of descriptions of who God is. Now, it's also a theory. Nobody observed it. Well, you say, well, God did. I get that. But even though there's some really good arguments for the existence of God, we can't prove God. We can't go to a science lab and boop, boop, there's God. And we so it's a theory. It's, a, it's faith. We believe it. And again, there's good arguments for it. But in this discussion, it's not observable. It's not measurable or repeatable. God created from nothing. Well, we couldn't even try to do that because we have everything. Doesn't make sense. So here's why it's important because God says that He personally created us. Look what He says in Genesis 1. So then God said, Let us. Now we get our understanding as the Bible uh, lays it out for us moving forward. It's plural. It's God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God, three persons. Blow your mind. I get it. Can't explain it. That's good because He's God. So let us make man, He's talking about mankind, man or woman, in our image according to our likeness. And let them, here's their purpose, let them rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So nature was given to us to be used for our needs. All right, we're, we're, We don't answer to nature. We're not environmentalists in that sense. We are environmentalists, environmentalists in the sense that we take care of creation, but it's for our needs. God created man, again, mankind, in his own image, 
In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. So there's two genders, there's two sexes who come together as one to fulfill his purpose as we speak about marriage. And so God created men and women in his image. Now I want to break this down real quickly here. First of all, um, humans were created in his image. We are created like him, but not identical to him. We are not God. I know some of you guys may disagree with that, but we are not God. We are, we are created similar to, we are created like him, but not identical to him. He is spirit. We are physical with a spirit. All right? He, is, uh, he has a, a moral um, sense of morality, so a sense of right and wrong. He's the one who sets what's right and wrong. And we have that. Now, our, it's messed up completely in our day and age, but we have a sense of right and wrong. In fact, a lot of people who are doing, and doing what life is, uh, that they're doing in life, one of the reasons why they're doing that is because there's this sense of guilt and they're trying to get rid of that guilt. And so there's this tension inside of them. That's why we have depression, anxiety, and all that kind of stuff that's going on in people. But we have a sense of right and wrong. And we have a sense that we are accountable to God. He, is, he has intellect. We have intellect. We can reason and learn and think abstractly and, and create things. We can express emotion just like he does. We're relational. He's relational. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, the Trinity. One God, three persons in relationship. We are made to have relationship, one first and foremost with him. And until that's restored, we'll never be satisfied. And then we're supposed to have relationships with each other. I heard somebody or saw somebody on Facebook interacting with some friends of theirs and they're like, hey, why don't you come to church? And they're like, nah, we just watch it on TV at home. Well, no, that's not how God designed it. God designed the church. The church is people. The people are supposed to get together weekly, if not more, and spend time together in relationship. One of the reasons why people are, are, are in the situation that they're in is because they're looking for those relationships to meet their needs. When we'll find out that God is the one who meets their needs through the relationships. It's a little different way of thinking about it. We have physical abilities. Now, God doesn't have a body, but we know he sees and he hears and he touches, he creates. Well, we are able to do that with physical bodies. We have a purpose. Our purpose is to represent him. We do that through the care and control of creation, what he's given us, which we'll talk about in a little bit. So why did God choose to create you? Why did he choose to create me? This is what he says on Isaiah. God speaking, everyone who is called by my name and whom I have created for my glory, for God's purpose, all right, whom I have formed, even whom I have made. And so we're created for God's glory. This is a huge concept, and I'm going to try to bring it down to my level, and maybe by doing that you'll understand it as well, But because uh, I'm not really smart, but God's glory is basically any time he reveals himself. So the Christmas story, God's glory shone round about them, right? His bright light. Because God is so pure, so holy that he shines. When his presence shows up, he shines. In fact, you can't look at it really uh, without dying, he told Moses. And so um, that's one element of his glory, that he's so pure. But he's loving and he's caring, he's compassionate, and he's just and uh, he's forgiving. He's all these things. So when God reveals himself, he's revealing his glory. It's, that's kind of what he's doing. And here's how it plays out for us. When we do life God's way, 
and he says, I'll, I promise to provide and protect for you, which is what we're going to talk about here in a bit, then we are, we, he reveals himself to us, that he is a God who provides peace. He is a God who provides uh, for my needs. He is a God who is loving, all that kind of stuff. And then, by us obeying God, especially as we interact with other people, now they know what kind of God he is by how we respond to them. That's why it's so important for us to believe what God says, to live God's way, so people have an accurate view of who God is because they're seeing him through us. And so as we're loving, they understand he's loving. As we care about them, they understand he cares about them. And if true, if God did create, which we believe he did, he sets the rules. It's his life. He's the one who came up with the idea. He's the one who knows how to best live it. And he also provides for us. He also protects us. And ultimately, if we have our faith in him, he takes us to heaven. So that leads us to the second choice. If you're sitting here this morning, you're like, yes, yes, I want it. I I want to look at it from God's perspective. I want to respond to this world, this craziness, the way God wants me to respond to it. Then you have this decision that we need to look at. And that is, do we believe that he means what he says? Am I willing to take him at his word, trust him, and do life the way he wants me to do it? See, God didn't create us um, like robots, that we just automatically, yes, I love God. Okay, He didn't create us that way. He also doesn't abuse us by forcing us into a relationship with him. He chose to create us, and he wants us to choose in, to be in relationship with him. But to do that, there has to be a choice. And so Adam and Eve, our first our representatives before God, he gave them a choice. Do you want to be, remain in relationship with me, for them, or do you want to sever that relationship? Do you want to obey me, or do you want to do it on your own? And this is what, how that went. So the Lord God took the man and put, and that word put there is kind of an interesting word. It's only used in the Old Testament, um, and every time it's used in the Old Testament, it's probably a better way of putting it, it has to do with something being placed somewhere for God's purpose. So Israel in the land, or an item in the temple, Adam in the garden. So he placed him in a garden or put him in the garden of Eden to cultivate it. So he has this responsibility to, to work the ground. But that word is also used in the Old Testament to refer to worship. And so as we worship God, so this morning we were cultivating our relationship with God by worshiping him. And then to keep it, he's supposed to guard and protect what God has given him. The Lord God commanded the man saying, from any tree of the garden you may eat Freely. So here's the choice. Is he going to continue to do it God's way or is he going to do it Adam's way? But for the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. You only have one thing to not do. Only one thing. For in the day you eat from it, you will surely die. Or dying, you will die. There's going to be immediate spiritual death, severing of a relationship with God. And then there's going to be eventual physical death. Then the Lord God said, it is not good for the man to be alone. It's just Adam. Where, you know, there was a female and a male cow, but there was just one male human. And that wasn't good. I'll make him a helper. It's a person who will come alongside and assist and supply whatever the person needs. There's a, a sense of an understanding of strength there. It'll be suitable for him. So God knew that Adam couldn't do what God called him to do alone. He needed someone who was equal, but different. You have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit equal with different responsibilities. If you read through Scripture, 
Now he's going to have a, a man and a woman equal, but with different responsibilities. Out of, the ground, uh, out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every bird of the sky and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. So he had authority to name animals, to be over the animals. And whatever the man called the living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to the cattle and to the birds of the sky and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not found a helper suitable for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and he slept. Then he took one of his ribs. He didn't take it from the ground. Male cow from the ground. Female cow from the ground. Man from the ground breathed in human spirit. Woman from the man, not from the ground. And closed up the flesh at that place. The Lord God fashioned into a woman the rib which he had taken from the man and brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called women, woman because she was taken out of man. So he gave Adam the authority to name this new human, which is interesting. For this reason, because woman came out of man and has come alongside and helped man, a man shall leave his father and his mother. And we all say, Amen! Right? Children, love you, but get out of my house. You're married. You go do it on your own. You don't need me anymore. Awesome. <laughs> Come on, Kim. Let's go enjoy life. So a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined, has this idea of stick like glue, to his wife. So it's one man, one woman for a lifetime. And they shall become one flesh, obeying God like one person. Not the guy doing what he wants to do, not the lady doing what she wants to do, but both of them together doing what God wants them to do. Does God really mean what he says about what he says about man, women, marriage, family, all that? And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. They were the perfect marriage. There was no self-focused um, idea going on there. It was all fully focused. They didn't even know that they were naked. The point is, they were fully focused on each other. Adam was meeting Eve's needs, and Eve was meeting Adam's needs. They were doing the way God wanted them to do. And so, here's, here's the deal. There's a lot in here, but I'm going to try, if I can. I keep saying I'm going to try to shrink it down, and I go for an hour. you know. But, simply put, God's way guarantees God's protection and provision. Right? God's way, God's promising this, that God promises that His way will guarantee His protection, His provision. Obedience brought God's promise of providing for Adam and then for Eve when she came along that God would be providing for her spiritually, physically, emotionally, and relationally. Both of their needs would be met through obeying God in each of their situations. So he says, Adam, this is the case. I'm going to meet your needs. You just obey me. Don't eat of that tree. Do what I tell you. The relationship will continue on. And, and if you help your wife do the same thing, the relationship will continue on and you'll always have your needs met. Physically, emotionally, spiritually, relationally, in all things. So he gives Adam his helper, in order for him to do that, after all, they had to fill the earth, right? So, um, if for no other reason, he needed to have Eve. But she was to come alongside of him, and they together 
And the only thing they needed to do to have their needs met was to do it God's way. Now, what would happen if they disobeyed? Well, God says that if they disobeyed, then they would have death. They would, and what this means is, first of all, immediate spiritual death. Their relationship with God would be severed. They, they would be saying, hey, God, thank you for you know, wanting to help us out here, but we got it. We're going to do this life the way we think we should do this life. That's what they would be saying. It would bring about God's eternal judgment on them because they broke his law. And then it would bring eventual physical death. Because see, sin penetrated through them to all of us. So when we were uh, conceived, we were actually sin, sinful. And then we committed sin on top of it. Um, and then it also, because we're, Adam and Eve were the representatives for all of nature, sin penetrated nature. And that's why we have all that we have and diseases and that kind of stuff. But he, says, he doesn't immediately get rid of them. He doesn't immediately judge them. He waits and he gives them their entire life. This is actually a gift because it gives us an opportunity to have a lifetime worth of opportunity to come back to God, to, to find God's forgiveness, to, to know him in a relationship. So let's see what they chose to do. Now, a serpent was more crafty than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. Now, again, this temptation... To, to not do it God's way had to come from outside of them because they were perfect, right? So, enter the serpent, Satan. All right, and he said to the woman, Indeed, has God said, You shall not eat from any tree of the garden? In other words, did God really mean what he said about that? Not remembering exactly what God told Adam. She says, Well, the, the woman said to the serpent, From the fruit of the trees of the garden we may eat. But from the fruit of the tree, which is in the middle of the garden, that, um, that uh, boy, what was the name of that garden? Or the tree, what was the name of that tree? She doesn't seem to remember the name of it. If she did remember the name of it, it would have been helpful. It's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you know, but she doesn't. God says, you shall not eat from it. And then she adds, or touch it, or you will die. The serpent said to the woman, you surely will not die. So Satan is now saying that God's a liar putting a question into Eve's mind that maybe God is a liar. For God knows that in the day you eat from it, your eyes will be open and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, God's not only a liar, but you can't trust him. He's holding something back for you, from you. He doesn't want you to have everything that you could have. All right? When a woman saw, now, she's questioning whether God really meant what he said. She's questioning whether God is a truthful or is a liar. She's questioning whether uh, God's withholding something from her or not. So what's that leave? Just her coming up with her own thoughts on the matter. So when a woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was a delight to the eyes and the tree was desirable to make one wise, the boy, she took from its fruit and ate and she gave also to her husband with her and he ate. Now, Adam didn't do his job of protecting and there's a whole bit of big debate there of what's going on, but we won't get into it this morning. Then the eyes of both of them were opened. So they had already known what good was, but now they know what evil is. The problem is they can't handle evil. God can because he's infinitely powerful. They're not because they're not infinitely powerful. Neither are we. And he knew that they were naked. So now they're, they became self-focused. Oh boy. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves loin covering. So they're going to somehow cover up their sin. Cover themselves up. So you see what happened here. 
They could do it God's way, or they could question God. Does God really mean what he says? Is, is God truthful? Is, is he withholding something from me? And then they went ahead and they, they ate. We have that same temptation. We, we have it from Satan. We have it from the world. We have it from our, our sinful free will. So we're all in the same boat here. And so we, we question God's word. Did he really mean what he said about men, about women, about how I'm supposed to do life? How am I supposed to do marriage? How am I supposed to do family? Is God withholding something from us? Every time we have a choice to make, that's basically what's happening. If I have a choice to do it God's way or to do it my way, those are the two issues I'm kind of dealing with. Initially for salvation. If I say, well, I'll get to God the way I want to get to God. That means that, that means that God doesn't mean what he says because God says in the Bible that you can only get to him through faith in Jesus Christ. And then once we place our faith in Jesus Christ and we become a child of God and we're adopted into his family, he says, hey, I want you to look like the family. Then we're over here going, well, yeah, but if I look like the family, is that really the best thing? Do I, won't I look kind of strange? Won't I look kind of weird and crazy to the world? So once she began questioning God's word and God's goodness, then she started evaluating things on her own. That's what we end up doing. And we know that she ate. Adam ate. And what God said would happen, happened. That relationship is severed. It's shown by them being kicked out of God's presence, kicked out of the garden. And then for them, it brought immediate spiritual death because that relationship is severed. Their descendants from that day forward until today, we've all had that from God unless God has restored it through faith in Jesus. And we all have eventual physical death. A gift. Because we have our lives in order to turn back to God. If we continue down this road and we don't want to do it God's way, we will continue to destroy ourselves and destroy the relationships that are around us. I'm going to go back to one point about the garden because I, I, I don't think I hit it. God gave Adam and then Eve this garden. He gave them their responsibility. Every one of us, God has given, whether we're a believer or not, God has given us a garden. He's given us our responsibility. And so as those of us who are following Jesus Christ, our responsibility is to take that garden, our responsibilities, and do it God's way. Our marriages, our raising our kids, our jobs, the finances that he gives us, the material goods that he gives us, we need to do it his way. And if we do that, he promises to meet all of our needs. Again, I don't think I clarified that. I want to make sure I got that. It's kind of an important thing. Well, God who is loving and, and gracious... If we read on in Genesis 3, he, he killed an animal and uh, he made um, animal clothing for them. They, they had the hides of the animal and, and it covered them. It was God's way of covering them and actually restoring their relationship with him. The Bible tells that the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. And so this is like the first time that that's seen and understood. It's, it's to teach us, but it's also to point towards Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, God the Son who became man, and he dies on the cross for us. He takes God's wrath. He dies and sheds his blood for us. The Bible talks about us being clothed in Christ. And so when we turn us, our lives to him and ask him to forgive us of our sins, believe that he died for us, believing what God means when he says that he died on the cross for us, then we have our sins forgiven. We can have a relationship with God. We are clothed 
in Christ. The rest of their lives and the rest of history all the way up till today, men continued to do life their way. And the craziness continued. But here's the good news. There was a promise God made in Genesis. Look at the promise that God made in Matthew, in the New Testament. Jesus says, but rather than worry or do what you think needs to be done, so that's what he's talking about. The previous verses was all about, oh, I'm worried about things and I'm not going to have my needs met and all that kind of stuff. But seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom and God's righteousness. In other words, live for God's purpose and God's way. Sounds very familiar, doesn't it? Sounds like Genesis, which is kind of cool. And all these things, what? Your needs will be added, will be given to you. God knows what you need. And Jesus said, hey, listen, do it God's way. Do it for God's purposes. Come into relationship with me. Experience God's forgiveness. Experience restored relationship. Be adopted into God's family and let God be the good father that he wants to be and provide for you. So what do we take away from this? First of all, the first question is, will you answer, uh, who will you answer to, yourself or God? You, have that, you, you get to make that decision. I've already made that decision for my life. And, and I try to do it God's way as best I can, but you have that decision. But know that if you choose yourself, just get ready for more craziness because that's what's coming down the pike. Just look at the world around you. That's what you have to face. If you choose God, then know what he says about how to live life. First of all, it starts with having a relationship with him, which I just talked about. Ask him to forgive you of your sins and believe and trust and hold on to the fact that Jesus took your eternal punishment for you. And then it continues with you knowing his word. It means being here each week, hearing what God's word has to say. It means being here Thursdays as we go through Bible study. It's taking our core classes so you learn how to study the Bible and know the Bible so you can have the Bible at home and understand it at home. Secondly, then, if you choose, I'm going to do it God's way. Will you trust that God means what he says? We're going to be dealing with some things in the coming weeks that you're going to go, yikes, I don't know if I could live that way. I'll just guarantee you, because you're going to look weird. You're going to get some pushback, and people are going to make fun of you. So will you trust what, God, trust what God means what he says, that he means what he says? It's going to be opposite, but his promise is this. If you do it, if you trust me, then I promise to meet your every need, your spiritual need, your emotional needs, relational needs, physical needs, mental health needs, whatever the need is, he promises, get to know me, do it the way I say to do it, and your needs will be met. Let's go ahead and stand, and we'll close. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this morning, and I thank you for the patience of each person here this morning going through this material. It's a lot of stuff, and, and I ripped rip through it so quickly. I just pray, Father, that you promise in your word that uh, your word doesn't return to you without doing its work. And so I ask, Father, that your word, that you would do your work in each of us. Lord, there's someone here this morning who doesn't know you, that they would make that decision to trust in you, to have their sins forgiven, to know their creator, to have you as their good father. And Lord, for us, those of us who have done that, I pray that we would trust you. Trust what you say, that you mean what you say, and that you will meet our needs if we fulfill the purpose you have for us of representing you to others. In Christ's name, amen. Thanks for coming. Have a great day.